We are ready to begin. Parshas Tuma. Um, this week we're going to deal with the following question. Uh, Rabbi Yitzhak Zubishtayn, his uh, Sefer Vayavna, um, tells the following story. There was a person standing by the Kaisal, and he saw that there was somebody uh, by the Kaisal davening with a lot of emotion. And uh, he saw that he put something in the wall. And the person, the person finished davening, and he left. So this fellow who was watching him walked up to the wall and looked to see what he put in, and he saw green. He took out the uh, the things from the wall, and he saw that it was money, eight hundred dollars. So he took the money, and he brought it home. And he said to his wife, look, I found this in the wall. So she said, you can't keep that money. You have to ask a Shiloh. You have to ask the rabbi um, what the haloch is, whether you're allowed to keep it. So they went to the rabbi, and they asked him the haloch. Um... Before we answer the question, this is the question I'd like to deal with this evening. Before we answer the question, we need a little bit of introduction. Right? Who gets this money, this $800 that was found in the Kaisal? So, in this week's Pasha, we have the uh, the Shiltis, or the Chaigon. Pasha's Chuma, the Shiltis is like this. The Mechaivin, the Beis Yisrael, the Mevat Daka, Min Mimonehon. The Jewish people are obligated to give tzedakah from their money. And to give it to somebody who needs it. How do you know this? So the Shiltas continues, it says, because it says in this expression, You shall take from me truma. Asks the Hamik Shailer of Neftali to you who the Berlin. What kind of proof is this? You have to give tzedakah because it says v'yikhuli truma. You take from me truma. What is the Pasha talking about? The Pasha is talking about that you have to give the v'yikhuli truma. You should give truma for what? For the contributions to build the Mishkan. To build the tabernacle. So how does the Shiotis learn from this that one has to give tzedakah? Tzedakah is one thing. Giving to the uh, giving to the base of is something else. That's the question of the Hamid Shela. Yeah, what's the Shiltas proof? So he says the Shiltas must hold like the Taisus in Tracted Baba page nine eight. Taisus the Gemara there in page nine eight. There's an extensive uh, discussion uh, around the pages. There's an extensive discussion about the about contributions about about Tzedakah. One of the things the Gemara says like this: If I'm Ravasi, Ravasi says Tzedakah is equal in weight to all the mitzvahs. And then the Gemara brings a proof text from Nehemiah that this is the case: that Tzedakah is equal to all the mitzvahs. Good question. So I guess we have two mitzvahs that are equal to all the mitzvahs. I don't know. Which one is more equal than the other? I don't know. Okay, that's a good question. Not for this evening. So the uh, 
That's what Ravasi says. Ravasi says the stock is equal to Omnitari, you know? So he brings the proof text from Nehemia. Chapter 10. Asks Taisvis. The proof text is talking about an obligation to give to the Beis Amigdash. So what kind of proof is that? Maybe giving to the Beis Amigdash is, co- is comparable to all the mitzvahs. So it says like this. Even though this Pasuk is talking about the Beis Amigdash, that's talking about Bedekabais, that's talking about the Beis Amigdash. But Kosekin, certainly the same thing would apply to Tzedakah. If it applies to the Beis Amigdash, of course it applies to Tzedakah also. That's what Tosa says. So the proof text, says the Hamik Dover, to the fact that Tzedakah is equal to all the mitzvahs, certainly can be the obligation to give to the Beis HaMikdash. Because if there's an obligation to give to the Beis HaMikdash, certainly there's an obligation to give to Tzedakah. Yeah. So to applies by us in our Pasha. It says in our Pasha, you should take from me Truma. What is that talking about? The Tabernacle, talking about the Mishkan. So if you have to give by the Mishkan, certainly you have to give Tzedakah. It's the same application. Tzedakah is for sure. If it applies by the Mishkan, it certainly applies by the Tzedakah also. So according to this Hamik Shela, the, the Shiotas in this week's Pasha is saying that Vayikhuli Truma is a mitzvah to make a contribution to the Tabernacle, to the Mishkan, and certainly Whatever is said by the Mishkan is said by Tzedakah also. Therefore it comes out that there is two mitzvahs in, this, in, the, in these words, Vayikhuli Chumi, you should take from Ichumah. Mitzvah number one is to make a contribution to the Beis HaMikdash. Mitzvah number two is to give Tzedakah. Two mitzvahs. So we learn from this week's parasha that there are two mitzvahs. One mitzvah to give to the Beis HaMikdash and one mitzvah to give Tzedakah. But do you satisfy both by giving to the Beis HaMikdash? No, each one is a separate. One you give to towards the building of the Beis Amikdash, and the other you give to a poor person who needs money. I thought that the contribution to the Beis Amikdash was like the half shekel. No? There's different, there's different, uh, Rashi, just read the Rashi there in, in, in this week's parsha. there's different, different contributions went to different things. But certainly part of the contribution was uh, to give gold, to give uh, wool. But uh, all, all of these things, it says in that parsha that people gave yeah, yeah, towards the right. building of Esau Megdash. So the shield of learning that... What? You wouldn't call that truma, would you? Vayikhuli like, truma. That's what it says. The parsha is talking about all of that. Contribution. Kosekin. The Shiotas understands that whatever is being said by the Beis Amigdash is being said by this also. On what basis? I, I don't know what basis. But the Shiotas understand that's, that's, that's exactly our point at this point. That to receive from the Shiotas that whatever the basis is, which is a Kosekin, that it certainly applies by uh, rules of logic to Tzedakah, whatever is being said by the contributions to the base I make this also. That's what the Torah says, by Yikuli Truma, you should take from each room, is called Isha Shihid Venaliba from a person. Take which one? What's the Zoysa Truma? This is the Truma. Tikhumitam. This is the Jew you should take from them. Zahav, Vichesa, Vinachoshes, you should take gold and silver. 
All of these items is the truma that the Torah calls. So these are contributions towards the building of the tabernacle from which the element the Torah continues to describe was made out of. So the Shiltas understands that whatever is applicable, that there's a mitzvah to, uh, to give to the, to, to the Mishk, towards the building of Mishkan, certainly that applies for sure by Tzedakah too. Therefore, there are two mitzvahs in this week's passion. Is there some kind of connection between the Mishkan and the uh, I don't know. Both communal obligations? What? Communal, I don't know. Not sure. Mr. Ducky, you just said before. Maybe, we'll, maybe that will come out later in our discussion. Why don't you give it to a full person? Basically, correct? Mr. Ducky's a full person. Whatever shape or form it is, right. it goes to Right. So the Mishkan, you can't consider a full person. Right. You know, it's a general thing by the whole population. Right. The Shilpa just understands that if you're giving, if you're giving towards a building uh, of, of Kedusha, certainly would be applicable to giving to a poor person. He doesn't say it's a connection, he's just saying that it's a koshikin, it's a rule of logic. If you have to give to this, giving to a poor person, which is more important, certainly you have to give. Why? We'll see, we'll see maybe, in a minute. Maybe we'll see me in a minute, why? If you had a choice, so now the Nitzir says, if you had a choice, the Nitzir says, that is subject to dispute. The Shulchan Aruch says, in Simon in your day, Simon Reishmem test, in Sif Tezayin like this, Yesh Mishaimed there are those that say, She mitzvah beisa knesses adifa me mitzvah zdake, that to give to a shul is better than give to than to give to zdake is better to give to a shul than to give to a poor person. Now before we get into this. The fact that we're taking you did, the fact that the Nitziv quotes this in reference to the discussion that we're having towards the contributions for the tabernacle, he understands that the tabernacle is the same as a shul. We're going to explain that why that is the case in a minute. What do you want to ask you did? Oh, this is what we're discussing. The Shulchan Aruch says it's better to give to Shul than poor person. That's what Yosef Karish. That's what I'm reading. Except that he says like this: Yesh Mishaimish Mitzvah Beisaknes Adifa Mitzvah Zdaka. It's better than Mitzvah Zdaka. Or Mitzvah Zdaka L'Naarim L'Umay Torah. However, to give Zdaka to young men who are learning Torah, who are studying Torah, or or to give to sick poor people other than mitzvah beisaknesses. That's better than the mitzvah beisaknesses. That's better than to give to the shul. But otherwise, all other people are relegated to second class when it comes to giving to a shul. That is the opinion, as the Beragola here points out, of the responder of the Marik. And the Rabbi Yosef Kara quotes this lahalacha. One second. And the Hamik Shela points out that the Vilma Goin say disagrees with this with this psak. He says that our she iltis and our tosas disagree. How? Because what do we just say? We just said that if you ask whatever applies to a Mishkan to the tabernacle certainly applies to Tzedaka, which means that Tzedaka is much more stringent than the Beisaming, the Beisaknes, than the Shul. Therefore one must conclude that the Tzedaka is more important than the Shul. So therefore we have a bona fide dispute between the the Marik, which is codified by Rabbi Yosef Karo, and the Tosmos, and the Shiltas, which is quoted by the Hamid Shela, and the Vilna Gon, on whether or not what's more important. 
whether a shul is more important or a poor person is more important. And everybody agrees that a poor person who is sick or a, child, or a young man who is learning Torah is more important than a shul. That's the dispute that Yehudah is pointing out. You hear what about a poor person? The money means to suffer, whatever you're going to give him, maybe immediately. <coughs> Just like you have to pay a man his wages at the end of the day. He tells you that. Maybe that poor person needs the money immediately to suffer, whatever you're giving him. Food, money, anything. He may need okay, it. so it depends. Sure. It depends on who you're passing like. It depends on who you're passing like. I suspect... I suspect... Well, I think the poor person would take that. Well, I suspect that we, I, I suspect that we agree on that, that we'll go like the Vilna Gaon. I suspect that that would be the case, that the poor person will take precedence. The Shokanar gives a hierarchy of needs, which is not our discussion for now. I just want to, I just want to establish the fact that there's a mitzvah to give to a shul. That's it. There's a mitzvah to give me a contribution to a shul, and we'll learn from this week's Pasha. Okay? Now, one point, that, there's two points that I want to discuss here. Two points in our introduction. Point number one is, I want to discuss is, what is the dispute? Why does one hold that is shul is better than the uh, poor person and the other whole the poor person is better than the shul and point number two is I want to discuss is um, how do you know that a shul is the same as a tabernacle as a, be- as a Beis Amikdash how do you know that it's the same so uh, the second point we're going to discuss first and the first point second how do you know that a shul is the same as a, as a Beit HaKnesis. And the Nitzvah assumes this. The Nitzvah assumes that a shul is the same because he quotes this halacha that we just said together with the discussion of our Pasha, the mitzvah to give to a, to give to a, 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 a Mishkan. Okay? How do you know this? So we know this. This we know. As soon as I tell you what it is, how we know, then you'll know how we know. <laughs> the Gemara says in Tractate Brachos on page 8a. No, you're, you're, I'm saying that we're familiar with this, with this Gemara. The Gemara says in Tractate Brachos on page 8a. The Gemara says like this The Gemara uses a Pasuk to say that Hashem loves Halacha better than he loves the Shul. That's what the Gemara says. Hashem loves Halacha better than he loves the Shul. Um, so the Gemara says, and that is behind the Dhamma Rabbiya Barami Mishmei the Ula. This is what Rabbiya Barami said, name of Ula. The Yom Shachar Beis Amish, when the time of Beis Amish was destroyed, in our Kodesh Baruch Hu Hashem doesn't have in the world of Abraham Shem Halacha. It's only the four cubits of Halacha. The Vat. Hashem, from the time of Beis Amish was destroyed, Hashem is only found where the Halacha is being studied, where the law is being studied, the Jewish law. So Abayi says. At the be- I used to learn Abai says I used to learn in my house after I heard this that Hashem is by the halacha now I learn where I daven now I learn in the same place that I daven I used to he says I used to learn in my house and daven in the shul Right. Once I heard that Rabkhiya Barami said the name of Ula that Hashem is found where one learned where in, in the halacha, now I daven where I learn, because that's where Hashem is, where I'm learning, not where I'm davening. So he changed his 
plan to daven where he learned. He changes. He didn't daven where he learned, and he changed his plan to daven where he learned. Okay. And that's quoted halacha. It's preferable to daven where you learn if you have that if you have that option. But that's what the Gemara says. Definitely, it's a mitzvah to make a minion. Yeah, for sure. But if you have an option and you have a choice, daven where you learn, so you should daven where you learn. That's better because of this Gemara. But the Gemara says that Hashem loves a shul better than he does. I'm sorry, he loves lear- a place of learning where he does better than a shul. That presupposes the fact that Hashem is in both places. He's in the shul and he's in the place of learning, but he likes to be better by the, by the place where he, uh, by the place of learning. Therefore, Abaye Davin where he learned. Because that's where Hashem likes to be. That's the presupposition, at least in my opinion. We'll soon see that that's the truth, I think, from a, from a different Gemara. Therefore, you see that Hashem is found where? Besides the learning, He's also found in the shul. Hashem is found in the shul. Now, what does it say in this week's Pasha? Vayikhu li truma, you should take from me truma. Sorry, I'm sorry. mikdash, you should make for me a sanctuary. Vishachati b'secham, I'll dwell in the sanctuary. What's the point of what's the point of the sanctuary? What? The point of the sanctuary? No, and I'm there. mikdash. You shall make for me a mikdash. and I'll be in the mikdash. As the Ramban explains in this week's parsha, the Ramban explains what was the mishkan, what was the tabernacle, what was it for. So he says that the tabernacle is Har Sinai. The tabernacle, the Mishkan, is, as we mentioned many times before, the Mishkan is a, um, a miniature, encapsulized, uh, portable Harsinai. The same way that Harsinai, Hashem, was in the middle, all the people encamped around, and Hashem spoke to the people from the top of the mountain, so too the Mishkan is the same. Hashem is in the middle. The throne room is the Aron. The throne of Hashem are the Kruvim on top of the Aron. And the Shekhinah, the Divine Presence, sits on top of the Aron and communicates with Hashem, with Moshe, from the top of the Aron. And the Jewish people are encamped around. The same as Har Sinai. Har Sinai is continually reenacted and lived and perpetuated when the Jewish people are in their idyllic state in Yerushalayim with the Beis HaMikdash being there. So, what, what, what is the shul? Hashem is in the shul. So, the same way Hashem is in the shul, He's in the Beis HaMikdash. So, a shul is also a miniature, so to speak. Uh, Beis HaMikdash. It is where Hashem is found. Therefore, of course, whatever you talk about the Mishkan. The same way there's a mitzvah to build the Mishkan. The same way there's a mitzvah to build a shul. Because what are you building when you're building a shul? You're building a place where the Rabbani Shalom will be. Correct? So that's the that question. No question. This is explicit in the Gemara in Megillah, page 29a. The Gemara in track of Megillah, page 29a, says a few things. The Gemara says, first of all, the Gemara is like this. Tanya Rav Shimba Yechoy, Rav Shimba Yechoy said, Borei, 
Come and see. Kama Khabib in Yisrael of Nakosh How beloved are the Jewish people in front of Hashem? How beloved are they in front of Hashem? Shemokom Shavuchom Mokom Shigolu. Wherever they are exiled, Shechina Goli Mayim. The Divine Presence also goes to Golis with them too. That's what the Gemara says. The Gemara brings a proof text to this. And the Gemara says, so where is, where is the Shechina when it goes to Golis? Where does it go? Where does the Divine Presence go? It goes to the Shul. And then the Gemara identifies which Shul it goes to afterwards. And then the Gemara quotes Abaye. The Gemara quotes Abaye. The Gemara says that Abaye used to daven. Abaye used to daven in the Abaye used to daven in the in the place where he learned. What's the connection? Same connections we mentioned before. Because the Shechina is found in the Shul, but it's but it's, be, it's better where it's in the learning. It's stronger. Then the Gemara says, as you recall, that all the shuls in the future are all going to fly to Eretz Yisrael. That's what the Gemara, how are they going to fly to Eretz Yisrael? Because that's where the Shekhinah was. That's where they have to go, where the Divine Presence was. Quotes the Pasuk in Yechesko, it says, It will be for them a small mikdash, it will be for them a small temple. The Gemara understands that a shul is a miniature encapsulation of of, of, of the Beit Amir. So whatever mitzvah apply the same way there's a mitzvah that's expansion to make a contribution towards the building of uh, a Beit Aknesis, there's also a, 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 a mitzvah to build a shul. Because that's what you're building. You're building a house of God. Yeah, yeah. Now, that's, so now, that, that is our, what are the two questions that we want to deal with? Remind me. I forget what the two questions were. But the second question that we... Yeah? Oh, so now the second question is, the one that holds that the shul precedes the ani, the poor person, what does he hold? And the one that holds that the ani precedes the shul, what does he hold? Right? That's our question. So the truth is, I don't know the answer to that. But I could speculate the following. I could say like this. The marik quoted by Rabbi Yosef Karu holds that the shul is preferable to a poor person he must hold like we just said everything that we just said there is a there is a there is a overwhelming national interest to have houses of God amongst the Jewish people therefore you can hear that a shul benefits the entire people or the entire congregation or the entire community in that it allows the possibility for God's, God's presence to be contained in that place. And therefore, that is an overriding concern that supersedes the needs of an individual poor person. And therefore, it is, it's preferable that if one does not have enough, where should it give to the, that they give? Should they give the shul? Or should they give the poor person they should give the shul? That's, not what, that, that's what the, 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 the Marik will hold. I think. What about uh, the one, the, the, the Vilna Gain? This is the logic behind their, their, their positions. This is not the, the derivation of their positions. Derivation of their positions is something else. But the logic behind their positions will say like this. The, the Vilna Gain holds like this. Um, and the Shiotas and the Tosvos and the, the Hamik Sheila, they hold as follows. They must hold that the Gemara tells in Shaktid Nadar on page 64. 
that there are four Abachashim Kimis. There are four people considered like they're no longer alive. They're dead. What are those four people? Person who has no children. A Mitzorah. For lack of a better translation, a leper, right? A person who has no money. What was the fourth? Mitzorah. No children. Person who has no money. The fourth person escapes me for now. So the Gemara says, the Gemara says that, um, how do we know? Because Hashem told Moshe, go back to Mitzrayim. Because the people who are seeking your demise, which is Dosan Adirin, they're dead. Why the Gemara says they weren't dead? It means that they became poor. A poor person, a Mitzorah, a person who's blind, and a person who has no children. Those are the four. 64 being attracted in the dark. So you see that a person who's poor is considered like they're dead. So to give them money, to give them money, is to mamish resurrect them from the dead. It's mamish to bring them back to life. It's to save them from certain death. Is there any mitzvah that supersedes that? As the Gemara tells us in Tract 8, uh, Sanhedrin, page 1774, with the exception of the three cardinal sins, saving somebody else's life supersedes all other considerations. And therefore, how could it be that if you have a poor person, you have a poor person, and you have a shul that you give the shul first. So therefore, the Vilna Goyen and the others hold that you give the poor person first because your mommy's saving their life. I agree with him 100%. Yeah. I do. That's, the, that's what I would say the two positions are. It's important that two of the Jewish people, when Jewish people come and settle, let's make a, they settle in an area and they establish a town. What do they have to do first? What do they have to get in place first in, 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 in the town? A mikvah. I think it's a mikvah. This. I don't remember the, the, the sources now. We don't. I'm not prepared now to discuss this issue. Right. I'm not. I don't remember right now. What, which one is first? But as far as this, I'm just discussing the positions. I would. I would suppose that a poor person would proceed building shul because there are plenty of shuls. So, you know, we don't know under which circumstances we're talking about here. Now, well, no, it, de- it depends on the need. It depends on the need. It depends on the need. It depends on where they live. There's all kinds of... We discussed this in the past. Okay, so now this is our introduction to the discussion. We have established... What? I'm sorry? What about the mikvah? Oh, yeah, I don't know. It doesn't say that in the Gemara. It doesn't say the mikvah will go. It says the shul. And the, and the study halls will go. Okay? Now, now we get back, now that we have had this introduction at length, we've established one thing. And that is, it's a mitzvah to give a contribution to a shul, to build a shul. It's definitely a mitzvah. What the priority is, that's subject to dispute. And it's for sure a mitzvah to build a base on Migdash. Now, let's get back to our fellow who left the 800 bucks in the, in the Kotel. So he comes to the Kotel. He's davening. He's emotional. He's taking out the money. He puts it into the wall. 
Why is he putting it into the wall? We have to make it up. Why is he putting the money into the wall? Obviously, the first assumption is is that he is giving a contribution. He's making a contribution. He is parting with his money and giving it to something. So this question was asked. Rabbi Zilusan asked this question to Rabbi Yashif. Rabbi Yashif Shomal Yashif. Sleep. There's two possibilities. Either he is giving the money because he wants to rebuild the base of Mikdash. It must be. He is thinking to himself. I want to rebuild the base of Mikdash. Maybe that's why he's giving the money. He's putting it into the wall. He's putting it into the base of Mikdash. Maybe he thinks that this will go towards the contribution for the Beis Amikdash. Or maybe he knows and is aware that the Beis Amikdash is not there. And therefore, he wants to give the money to Tzedakah. Now, he's not throwing away the money, that's for sure. He is contributing it to something. So what do we do? Do we, what do we decide? Is he giving it to Tzedakah? Or is he giving it to the Beis Amikdash? What do you say? That's the question, says Rabbi Yadav. In the Beis Amikdash, and he's therefore physically giving it to the Beis Amikdash. Right. But he does it, but he knows that there is no Beis Amikdash. Maybe he thinks Mashiach will come in an hour. But he knows right now there's no Beis Amikdash. So is he is he giving the is he putting the money in there so that when Mashiach will come he'll find the eight hundred bucks and 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 put it into the coffers of the Beis Hamidrash for the rebuilding or is he thinking that somebody's going to discover the money and take it a poor person so he wants to give the money to somebody who's poor why is he putting the money into the wall? But you know saying if the money is given if the money this is the problem. If the money is being given to a poor person so then we can give the money to the rabbi, and the rabbi will decide which poor person it should go to, or multiple people. But if the bani is being dedicated towards the building of the Beis HaMikdash, we got a big problem. Because the money is now consecrated for the purposes of building the Beis HaMikdash, and it cannot be used for anything else. Therefore, you can't say, I'm going to give it to a poor person. You have to hold on to it until the Beis HaMikdash is built, or whatever you have to do. But you can't do anything with the money. Uh, it is it's either the, uh, the wall is, is a timeless icon that has uh, been viewed that way forever. But if someone's putting something in the wall, they're giving it directly to God. They're giving that that's that's the that's way of physically handing something to God. That's nothing to do with it, uh, the ultimate goal. It's intended to stay there. Right, the beginning is to God. What does that mean? Are they're closest to God bringing a carpet or giving money to Hector. Right, that's your assumption. That's your assumption that a person does it. Thought of the uh, wall but, any other no, that's true, but the, the problem is, is that the fellow didn't say anything to anybody. But he physically gave it to the last remaining piece of hex. Maybe he was assuming that the poor person is going to get it. 
that a, a good upstanding citizen that's Jewish, when he they finds the money the there, will get it. Pull it out of the wall and drop it in the pocket of the person who's deserving. Right, I understand. It's a question. It's a question. They can't do it with absolute certainty. That's what Rabbi Yashi. Rabbi Yashi is not certain. He's not sure. He disagrees with you. He holds that maybe, maybe he did have intent to give it to Daka. He says like this, he's talking, perhaps maybe she is coming Litram's Daka. Maybe he thought that he's going to give it to Daka. And he thought that maybe the poor people will discover it. And he decided to put the money specifically in that place, hoping that poor people are going to look for it and find it. I don't know. But Rabbi Yasha is not sure. I hear what you're saying, but Rabbi Yasha is not sure. Now, if the money is consecrated towards the Besamidish, we've got a big problem. The reason is because of the Rambam, chapter 8, in the laws of contributions, Erech and the Haramim, Halacha number 8. He says, like, is that the Rambam? This is based upon a Gemara. One does not contribute to the Beis Amikdash today. Why not? Because of our sins, as we say in Musaf, of Yantiv and Moshchai, whatever, because of our sins, there is no Mikdash. So what are you giving it? So therefore, to give, what are you giving? There's nothing to fix. There's no mikdash. And if a person does it anyway, he says, here I, I am here by separating this money or I'm giving this gift towards the building of the temple. If it's an animal, we close the door. I'm not discussing now the efficacy of the uh, of the um, the morality of this. This is not our discussion for this evening. But you close the door in front of Archie Thomas Miller until the animal dies by itself because it can't be used for anything. That's the halacha. V'im if it's fruit or ksus or clothing or kalim or vessels, you leave them until they uh, decay. Because they cannot be used. Now you said for fruit and you give it to the base of me. What are you going to do with this fruit? Now, the Yimha Yomos, if it was money, which is our case, on the assumption that it's a, it's a contribution to the base of me. The Yimha Yomos, if it was money, or Klimatechos, or metal vessels, Yashlich and the Yamamelech. So what should he do? He should throw them into the Yamamelech, into the, into the water, into the, in, the, in the sea of salt. Or into the Mediterranean. In order that they should be destroyed. That's what you should do with it. If that happens. You're not allowed to do it, Dr. Rambam. But if you did it, then you have to destroy it. Now, the rival here says that you can redeem it. You can redeem it. You can redeem the money or the thing with a penny. And throw the money that I redeem. Now, you know what redeeming means. Right? You, you sort of pay and exchange a barter. But the Kiddusha, the holiness that's on the money, should go on the penny. 
And then you take the penny, throw it into the into the Mediterranean. That's what the Rabbit says. One second, uh, Moshe. The Kess of Mishnah points out that the Rambam himself says this. The Rambam himself says later in Halacha Yud, the Rambam says, It's permissible to redeem, hektish, to redeem consecrated property today. And you should throw it into the pruta. But however, it has to be, a pruta is not, a penny is not enough. Um, the rabbi said it has to be four zuzim, or something similar to this, so that person will spend enough money that people will find out about it. But at the time that the temple is standing, then if you want to redeem it, you have to pay the exact amount of money for it. So this is what you have to do if it's consecrated party. You want Moshe, what do you want to say? What do you want to ask, There's Moshe? another possibility, though. It just occurred to me. Yeah. Perhaps the person's leaving it here, I think, of who will go, because there's such a tomato. In which case, to take it, uh, because he's leaving it there, because he has no way of knowing whose it is. So he's leaving it to El Yos to figure out whose it is. Oh, maybe it wasn't his money. Maybe it, was, it wasn't his money, and he left it there, because he didn't know how to bring it back. In which case, we're taking it, it's Geneva. Right. Uh... It's possible. It's possible. I don't know. I, I don't know. I'm not sure. You want me to guess what the Rabbi, ya- what Rabbi Yashiv is, uh, is thinking? He's thinking that if a person, I mean, the halacha doesn't, is not like this. The halacha is if you find something and you don't know whose it is, and you know that the person didn't give up on it, you have to keep it forever until, until you find the person. To put it into the wall would be an act of, uh, that would be irresponsible. So it would be, it would not, it would not be according to halacha. You can't so, leave it there in the wall for No, you have to keep it in your possession until you are prepared to return it when you find out who it is. So you have to wait for Elio, figure out who it belongs to, and return it. If you can't rely on your kids. Yeah, you leave it as an inheritance, you know, I don't know. Leave it in the will. So this is not found out halacha. That's what, that's what the Rambam says. Well, you said the same thing last week with the cancer. We don't know what was on his mind when he broke the cancer. Right, we didn't know what was in the cancer. We don't know what was on his mind when he put the money in. Well, right, we don't know. That, that, that is our problem. We don't know. So what do we do? What, are, what do we do? Based upon this Rambam, Rabbi Yash wants it like this. Umiyatan now kidevat says minasafik. In order to uh, erase all doubt, we have to do the following. You can't throw away the money. Why? Shari kaim chashasho. It's kind of like like Bisha. Maybe he wanted. He didn't want to consecrate it for the building of the Beis Hamikdash. El suma la mochi lifters. What did he want to do? Instead, he wanted to give it to Daka. Maybe he left it that it should be used to give to poor people. But we can't give it to poor people because maybe he meant to consecrate it to the Beis Hamikdash. El what? So you have to figure out how much four zuzim is in accordance with this Rambam. And he has to redeem the money. And then he has to take the four zuzim and throw them away. Because that's the din. The thing that has the Kiddushas the thing that has the the is has the consecrated part of it. Once you redeem, once you redeem it, once you redeem it, the money is is now it's kodesh, it's holy. Those eight hundred dollars are on the assumption that they were they were contributed for the building of the I mean, it's automatically become consecrated and holy. So how do you get rid of the holiness? 
you 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 transfer the holiness from the eight hundred dollars to these four zuzim by doing a redemption, by redeeming it, by doing exchange. Once these four zuzim are are used as an object of exchange, they become holy. They become kodesh. Now that they become holy, what are you going to do with them? The din is, if you have Kodesh, you have to get rid of it. So you throw them into the ocean. Now the money that's left, the $800, have been redeemed, and it's clean. Then you should take the money and contribute it to the, you know, contribute them to the poor people. Because the Rambam says that that's what you should do. The Rambam in, in, in Halacha Yud says you should take four Zuzim, and redeem the money, or redeem the property, the hectic property. Because, the Ram says, because four Zuzim is a sufficient amount of money that will become known to everybody that a redemption is happening. Because otherwise, maybe people will think that uh, this money is being used and it's not supposed to be. So it's not, so it's not like an equal amount kind of thing. I guess, yeah. That's what the, that's what the Ram passes basically I don't think it matters how much money it is. Or, or how much the property is worth. Oh, uh, the process of redemption, I don't know. That's not our discussion. They're not. He says they don't have to be equal value unless it's at the time of the base of Mikdash. Okay. Um. I don't know. How much you pay for the goat? Now, uh, this leads us to another question. So that, that answers the $800 question. Now it leads us to another question, which is similar, related, but not, but not the same. And that is the question that uh, Rav Sternberg has in his truest Van Hogos, and he is the responsa. Uh, volume number three in Simon Tuf Kuf Ayin Aleph in uh, 471. The question is like this. The question is like this. He says like this. A person obligated himself to give money to a yeshiva. Let's say he, said he made an obligation to give uh, $5,000 to a yeshiva. Okay? Very in Israel, it became clear to Shishtam Kirs of Harbei. He realized that they don't really need the money. He realized in the future that they don't really need the money. He wants to change his uh, contribution. He wants to give to a different yeshiva that needs it more. So here, the, the Chubis Hanoga says not only did he realize that the yeshiva doesn't need the money, but he also realized that the Mishulach, the person, the agent that was sent to collect the money, he gets a percentage from his contribution. I just heard, I was listening to Rabbi Rakefet in, in uh, yutorah.org and he, he had a discussion about charity and he says that he heard that Rabbi Yashiv also paskined that the Mishulach is allowed to take up to 49% of the contribution that's being given to the institution. So if that's true, this fellow decided he's going to give uh, $5,000 and then he realizes first of all they don't need the money that's number one number two is the Mishnah is taking close to 2500 bucks of, of this money so he said I want to give it to someone else that needs it more the question is is he allowed to change his mind once he made the, the commitment 
is he allowed, is it permissible for him to change his mind? That's the question. So, so it's like this. I want to give a little bit of introduction of what we're dealing with here. The intricacies of the law, I don't know if we have time to discuss the whole thing, but I want to give a little bit of introduction. The, um, I want to focus maybe a little bit, not so much of the halacha as far as this question is concerned, but we will talk about the halacha a little bit. Um, I want to read a little bit of Rabbeinu Yon and the Shari We As we know, that once somebody makes a commitment, it's considered to be a nether, it's considered to be a vow. A vow is binding according to Jewish law. Once a person vows to do something, to make a contribution or whatever, they are bound by that vow, by the, by, by the power of the law. As the Torah says in Parshas Matos, when it talks about in the Parsha of, of, of Nidorim, it says, a person cannot profane, as Rashi explains, his wrong words. If I'm quoting correctly, yes, sir, whatever comes out of his mouth, he has to do. Okay, that's part of the question. But the 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 part of this obligation of making a vow is the Torah sending a message that we have to keep our word. That's the message. Okay? So I want to read a little bit of the Rabbeinu Yonah. Rabbeinu Yonah is found in his book, the Shari Chuba, in um, section 3, number Kuf Pei Gimel, 183. person promises his friend to do something good for them. And he lies. And he changes his mind. <coughs> After he promised him, when you promise something to somebody, they trust you that you're going to come through with the promise. A person should not profane their promise. This is a way of lying. This is a person who transgresses a covenant. As it says in Tzifania, Jewish people do not commit an avla, something that's, that's wrong, that's crooked. They don't speak in a crooked way. They're not trickery. They're not tricky charlatans. They don't speak in a, in a tricky way. And also, a person says to give a small gift to their friend. Even if they don't say that they promise. This person is transgressing a trust that he created. Because the heart of a person relies on him. And, and, and I'll pick you up at the airport. I'll pick you up at the airport. A guy comes off the plane, out of the terminal, no one's there. Uh, hey, um, Rabiuti, you said you're going to pick me up at the airport. How come you're not here? Oh, I changed my mind. I don't think I can make it. Sorry. <laughs> you promised somebody. They trust you. They rely upon you. You're going to deliver. 
You don't deliver. This is a no-no. That's what Rabbeinu Yonah says. Because this is a way of lying. We don't do such a thing. And then he invokes the, the, the Pasuk in Parshas, uh, in Parshas Mishpatim. In Parshas Matos. Lo yachud a person can't profane their words. And certainly if a person in public says Rabbeinu Yonah, how much are you contributing towards the Aaron? I give $500. How much are you buying out the race or a das for? 1500 And then the person doesn't pay. So they have the covet. They have the honor. They give for it. And now, they don't pay. They don't come through. Free covet. Nothing's for free, obviously. That's what Rabbeinu Yona says. A person cannot do such a thing. So therefore, one has to keep their promise. This person promised he's going to give this institution $5,000. What do we do with him? So says the, um, says of Sternbuch. No, we need this. Says of Sternbuch, that, uh, like this. If this person actually made a promise with their mouth, it's considered a vow. It's considered a nether. And they are obligated to pay to this institution. Unless they have a Pesach. There is two ways to annul a vow. There is a way out. One way to annul a vow, as this is outlined in Simon Reish Chav Ches in your day at 228. The one way to annul a vow is with harata, with regret. You ask a person, would you have ever made this vow? The person says, no, I regret it. I never wanted to make the vow. That's harata. So you can, you can, uh, you can annul the vow. However, if a person says, no, I, I wanted to, uh, I wanted to, I'm never going to eat broccoli, I'm not, I'm not going to eat broccoli. So, did, did you have charot, do you regret the fact that you never, you said, right, I always wanted to eat broccoli. But if he says, no, I, I, the nether did help, I did want to eat, not eat broccoli, but not forever, I didn't want to eat it for a month. So the charot doesn't help, you have to have, find him a Pesach. You have to find him an opening, so to speak. What's a Pesach? A Pesach is, you say it in like this. If you would have known that broccoli is so healthy, would you have ever made the now vow? And he says, no. I would have, if I would have known that it's so healthy, I didn't do research. I would have never vowed at all in the first place. Then I would have never, I would have never made the vow. Then we allow it. So the Ramor says in Simlech Chavches, in number 7, he says that we're Mahmed, that we do both the Chavata and the Pesach for regular nether. This is in number seven. From the regret, we make a pesach also. He says that he regrets it. If you would have known that you would have regretted it, would you have ever made it? And he says no. So that's together a pesach and a charata. So he says Rav Sternbach, if we can, says Rav Sternbach. If this person says, I would have never made the contribution if I would have known that the Mishirach gets 49% and that the Yeshiva doesn't need money, that's a Pesach. And therefore we can find, therefore, we can tell him that uh, he doesn't have to, therefore he doesn't have to give to his institution. But says of Steinbach, he still has to give. He's not free. He can. Get, he has to change the tzedakah, tzedakah, and uh, but better to give to a tamutar, better to give to a yeshiva. Well, 
That's what he says. So he discusses more of the intricacies of the law, and then we conclude with this. He says, however, I changed my mind. I'm the Mishum Rajani I renege from this plaque. Why? Shishamati Shanadvan Chosam Al Star. I heard that he signed a contract that he's going to give $5,000. He signed a contract. We shall him to pay them. So you want to for that he regrets his commitment that is contractually bound? That we're not going to do. If it's oil by his mouth, then he can change from one place to another place better give to yeshiva. But if he signed on the contract, that's already too much. Ah, he's going to say, I bought a car. I signed on the contract, but there's no motor. So the contract is void. Because how was I supposed to know that the Mishorach is going to get 49% and the yeshiva has $20 million in the bank? So we answer like this. That's not the same as buying a car without a motor. Because buying a car without a motor is you buy a car without a motor. It's not a car. You didn't buy a car. You signed a contract. You bought a car. It's not a car. But here, you wanted to give to people, plenty of people, give to a yeshiva that has money that the Meshulach takes. You cannot, it's not enough to say that you wouldn't have given it. If you sign the contract, that means you would have given it even if the yeshiva would have money. Because it is perfectly normal to give contributions to yeshivas that have money. So therefore you can't claim that it's a mekach You can't claim that it's not a sale at all. It is a sale. If you didn't sign, the you can know it. But now that you sign, that it's much more binding, you can't claim that it's not a sale because a sale it is. Because there are people that give contributions to such institutions. And therefore I pass him, but he has to give to the same place. That's what uh, Rav Steinbach says. If he gets out of your number, like you just said, does he have to designate the same amount of money elsewhere? Does it have to be the same amount of money? Yes, he has to give the same amount of money elsewhere, he says. That's, he explains that because it's, uh, it's a proof to, the, to, to his... It's a, well, we can't get into it now, we don't have time, but it's a, it's, a, it's a proof to his claim that he would have never given to the institution if he's giving it to somewhere else. Because we have a question, maybe he's just trying to get out of it, he doesn't want to give the money at all. Did that's you know, a, that, get to the same place which bypassed the, uh, the person who was collecting? Uh, what, on the condition that the person doesn't give, doesn't get the... Uh, no, just go, uh, just uh, hand deliver it rather than uh, go, uh, give it to the person. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I mean, the, the per, they, they're going to pay, the institution's going to pay him anyway. How is he going to stop them? They're paying him anyway. What's the difference where they pay him from? They made a deal. If he collects the money, he gets 49%. But if he, uh, if the guy delivers, uh, if the person uh, delivers it to the, uh, 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 to the, uh, school or the So we would have to know the details because maybe, maybe the Mishuluch is only getting 49% even if the money, even if the, however the money gets, as, soon, as long as he got the obligation, as long as, as long as he got the signed contract, he gets the percentage when the money comes in. Regardless of how it comes in, it's too late. We don't, I don't know what the details are of this situation. Okay, anyway, this is what I wanted to share with everybody. Have a good chance.